Okay, let's go. How are you guys? It's Fenyo as usual. This is the Early Prelims podcast. And we have some stuff to talk about. We're going to recap the the UFC card that was headlined by Chance Rigland against Abus Magomedo for some reason. Who the hell knows why? Uh, we have some fight announcements and I won't get too deep into the pay-per-view because as most of you know by now, I have the full preview podcast coming later this week where I preview the whole thing. So yeah, uh, in other news, Twitter is dying. I mean, it, it's been dying for a while, but it's dying, dying right now. So with the cap on, on tweets that you can see in a day, so... A fucking mess of a site. Like, so yeah, I mean, I'm still like, like begging for a blue sky invite. Uh, so hopefully we can all move there in a while because it's clear that Twitter is gone, man. It's fucking gone, and and Elon Musk fucking sucks. <laughs> we we all know that, but but yeah, let's get into the card. Um. Uh, main event, Strickland versus Magomedov. Magomedov comes out like a, like a house on fire, throwing very hard, uh, some hard kicks uh, to the legs, especially Strickland, kind of susceptible to that. Um, commentary saying that Strickland is especially susceptible to kicks because of his uh, narrow stance, and that's like not quite right to say. Um... Actually, uh, a narrow stance, but with a with a li- with a light lead leg is actually pretty good to defend uh, kicks, especially light kicks. That's why it's so popular in in traditional Muay Thai, for example. Uh, the problem with Strickland is that he's front foot heavy, on top of having a a narrow stance at that combination is actually pretty bad to defend kicks because you don't have the mobility of in and out of a wider stance uh, and being from foot heavy always exposes you to kicks to the lead leg. So yeah, I mean, Magomedov was doing some good work. He has some 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 skills. He's dangerous. Uh, nice uh, left hook to the body he has. Yeah, uh, he has some head movement. He has some samples of stuff, but he was throwing super hard, and Strickland was actually doing pretty well defensively. Uh, he's hiding behind his shell. He takes a lot of risks leaning back, but he was like not getting hit uh, very clean at all. Even with the like body kicks that Magomed was doing, like Strickland does a pretty good job of defending his body uh, and making a slight move. He has very good vision. Obviously, he has some some defensive liabilities that if he... Because he he has this, like, defensive system, but he relies a lot on seeing stuff. He doesn't have, like, a like an actual, like, preemptive system of defense. He's very reactive with his defense. But, uh, but he's pretty good uh, at what he does. Like, he has very good eyes. He stays in good position. He knows how to hide behind his shoulders. Uh... I mean, he gets criticized a lot for walking, like, with his shin out in the air and his hands down. But he was actually very responsible with his shell on this one. And then Magomedov gasped super hard. He could not sustain the pace. Uh, uh, 
like last 30 seconds of the first round after Magomedo like clearly winning but not really hurting Strickland really bad except for a few like kicks that landed super clean Magomedov started looking like super tired and then second round comes and Strickland goes to work and Magomedov is exhausted uh, Strickland has some good tools to pressure like um, he doesn't have like good pressure in footwork uh, he mostly follows people and he's not great at and he's not great at cutting the cage off with strikes either. But the one thing he does well is that he uses his jab very well to put people against the cage. And he's pretty good at pivoting with, uh, with his opponent when he's circling out and catching with uh, long straight shots. Be it the, the jab or the, or the right straight. He's also good at using the front kicks to, to the body to pressure people against the cage. And if you start covering up, uh, Strickland actually uh, pretty good at... At putting combinations together, he sometimes have the problem of when his distance is not right. He has the problem that he makes some like sloppy shifts, and he ends up in the clinch a lot. But here, uh, he started like putting it together, uh, staying in his stance, and putting good uh, hand combinations together. Uh, the shot selection was pretty good, I would say. I would have liked to see more more body work. I've seen Strickland work the body before, pretty pretty well. Uh, but he's been mostly a headhunter later in, in his career for some reason. But even even headhunting against a high guard, he was doing a pretty good job of manipulating the high guard with his with his combinations, uh, using like the sneaky hooks and uppercuts to move a guy. And because Magomedov was trying two things, like uh, he was like putting on the putting on the on the on the mitts on the head and trying to block with the high guard and Strickland was very good at using uh, uppercuts and hooks to move and actually landing hard with the straight right uh, in between his hands and also uh, Abus was also trying to move his head and then Strickland is also pretty good at like just doubling and tripling with the jab to move your head into a certain direction and landing the right hand in the place that you move your head so yeah good stuff for Strickland good for him it was a good performance, I would say. Um, I don't know why, why in the fuck was, uh, this was main event. I don't know why the UFC gave Abus Magomedov a main event. I don't know, man. But, I mean, Magomedov is not terrible. Uh, Streetland looked pretty good here. So, I, I'm alright. I'm alright with this. Co-main event saw what might be the last fight in Damir Ismagulov's career against Grant Dawson. Uh, so Magulov retired after his last fight and then he said that he was going to complete his UFC contract that had one fight left and here the UFC gave him a co-main event against Dawson here for some reason after being neglected to like prelims for his whole UFC career I don't know, uh, weird stuff overall um, but yeah, the fight begins uh, Ismagulov is doing his usual stuff like uh, like looking for angles, uh, getting his jab going, the counter rights, and then Dawson starts the chain wrestling. And Dawson look very good here, I would say. Uh, he first of all he looked fucking huge inside the cage, a lot bigger than Damir. Damir obviously not a not a very big lightweight, but a decently sized lightweight. I'm not sure if Damir could like make 145 uh, comfortably. Dawson here looking huge, and Dawson a former 145er if I'm not mistaken. And he was looking big here. 
but more than that, he was looking athletic, he was looking strong, and the Shane wrestling was pretty good. On the first round, uh, he went uh, with the single leg, uh, run the pipe in one direction, transition to the double, uh, turn the corner in the other direction and wrap the legs, and then got to the back mount. Uh, the story of the fight was Dawson getting takedowns, getting to the uh, getting body triangle from the back, and spending like whole rounds in there, like. But yeah, I mean the the takedowns. Back to the takedowns. That first takedowns pretty sweet. Uh, second takedown was more of a clean entry. And the third round was also like a good like chain wrestling sequence. Uh, Dawson Sopa went with. Oh no, is is he a Sopa? No, I think I don't know. But I I don't know if they were in open stance. I don't remember actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he went with the. Who went with the knee tap with the overhand feint, like, like a bit of a Frankie Edgar style. Then he catches a single, uh, pushes a little bit back and uses the from the single climbs to the body lock. And with the body lock, he finishes uh, a nice lift takedown, uh, blocks with the knee to prevent uh, uh, Ismagulo from posting with his legs on the way down, like cool stuff. And then uh, all three rounds. Uh, he gets to the back with the body back triangle. Uh, Damir is trying to to move to the side that the, so the foot makes contact with the with the mat, like usual like triangle defense. But uh, Dawson very very proactive in changing the direction of the triangle using like good uh, control upstairs. Uh, Damir was obviously very careful about defending the grips. Uh, very few times Damir tried to like sit down and and sit up actually and trying to fight the ankle but Dawson was not allowing him. At one time Dawson put him in a full Nelson. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen that in in an MMA fight. Uh, uh, half Nelson I've actually been been making quite a few appearances lately in wrestling and it's a pretty cool technique to to get stuff going, but full Nelson, are a good neutralizing position. Uh, but you you can get a lot out of it in in that context, unless you are in like on top in the back mount, because then you can like pressure up and put some pressure on the spine. But yeah, I mean Dawson looked great. Uh, he still got like a hit uh, hard a few times on the feet, uh, but Damir is pretty crafty, obviously, and. And Dawson looked powerful on the feet. He was he looked pretty fast here, and the gas tank hold that because that that's been a problem in Dawson's career a few times, but he's always been like dangerous late into fights. But he tends to like fail. Uh, but yeah, I mean, good for Dawson, good stuff. Uh, before that, Michael Morales defeat, uh, defeated Max Griffin, and very uneventful fight. Uh, Morales is a freak physically. He's super fast. He's strong. Uh, very. He's like where I feel like he's like a bit of a smart fighter. He has very good fight feel, but not a lot going on technically. And uh, Griffin could not make up for the size difference, the athleticism. Uh, Griffin is like also like a bit athletic himself, decently athletic. Not on the not on the level of Morales at all. He was noticeably smaller than him. Uh, not as strong. Uh, and I think like Griffin is a guy that tends to to doubt himself a lot inside the cage. He he's been working through that, 
through the years, but I think here, um, like he was like, I mean, he was fighting hard. No, don't get me wrong, but but I think there was some doubt about uh, what can I do against this guy because Morales, especially defending takedowns, looks so athletic, so good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Morales is a very interesting prospect, uh, but technically he's not there. I hope he keeps, uh, I mean, for the wealth, his development, uh, not, not actually a fan of the guy, <laughs> but, but if you want to develop a talent like this, uh, like keep giving him fights like this one, uh, keep him in this level of opposition for a while. So he, he can, and he has, he has improved uh, quite a bit since, since his UFC debut, uh, but yeah, not a, he's not not improving at the same rate as Ian Gary, who showed up with a better process. He had very rough around the edges when he made his debut, and now he has shored up his all his stuff. And now Gary is like actually good. Morales still needs to. The problem with Morales is that he doesn't have a clear a clear process going on. Uh, he knows he knows what he wants to do, and in fights he finds what he wants to do and he does that so he he has a good mindset for that but I don't think he has like a system of where he wants the fight to be when the fight begins uh he doesn't have a very developed skill set so yeah I mean Morales uh physically very very promising and has a, a mindset too but technically he's not he's not there yet to fight the, the elite of the division I would say even even though the elite of uh welterweight is Pretty lackluster at, at the moment. Ariane Lipsky and Melissa Gatto had a pretty good fight, actually. Uh, Lipsky ha have been improving a lot. I mean, I wasn't too crazy on her when she made her debut. Uh, the striking looked very rough. Uh, the grappling was slacking. But now uh, her takedown defense looks uh, polished. He's, she's putting good combinations together. She's uh, a little bit stiff uh, still, but she's putting a lot of good concepts to use. The footwork has improved, uh, and the shot selection is pretty decent. He goes hard. She goes hard to the body. Uh, good head kicks to mix up the stuff to keep the opponent on her toes. Melissa Gato was circling on the outside. She also has throws with power. Uh, both girls. Uh, on the athletic side of the division. Um, and then Lipsky just won the wrestling exchanges and I wa wasn't expecting that like Gato is a very good like guard player. And Lipsky, the, the one time that she ended up on top, she just stay responsible with, with her with her elbows tucked in, uh, landed some ground pound and then took the opportunity to get up. So good performance for Lipsky. Uh, before that, uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, uh, defeated Ismael Bonfim by submission. I was super high on Bonfim. I thought he was he looked great on the McKinney fight, one of the most promising fighters at 155 in my opinion. And here, uh, and not to not to discredit Sandini that he looked very good in his own um, doing his part in, in this fight, but I think Bonfim looked pretty pretty bad compared to his previous fight. Um, it was maybe the matchup, who knows, but but yeah, I mean, the fight begins, uh, Saint-Denis goes mad with the body kicks. Uh, Bonfim was trying to, to like, sweep and counter with the right hand, but not getting a lot a lot going on. Uh, not much of an answer to the body kick, really. Um, Saint-Denis was trying to, like, kick, uh, kick through him, like, he was throwing super hard 
Sandini, pretty big and athletic for 155. Then the fight cools down a little bit and Bonfim starts uh, looking a bit better, but he was uh, he was swinging that right hand so wide. It was looking pretty sloppy. Like he he has good like setups for the for the counter right, but but the execution of the counter right was not like he was trying to like get like one punch knockout on every shot instead of like building or something. Uh, then they had like some takedown sequences. Um, uh, Sandini gets a takedown first, and uh, he's wrapping the legs uh, against the cage like in uh, you know like uh, John Fitch or Mike Miller used to do back in the day, uh, with the guy sit up and he's wrapping up the legs, and then he he had a pretty cool pass there because he used like a knee cut to pass to side control and and. Uh, as soon as the as soon as the knee that was passing touched the ground, it he was a, he bounced immediately into full mount. It was like cool grappling there. Uh, then he, but Bonfim managed to got up, got up to his feet after that one. Then uh, the first like uh, wrestling sequence that they had, not the, the clean rate uh, takedown like the first one. Bonfim like defended pretty well. Like he was circling with his feet, sprawling with strong head pressure to deny the takedown. And then on the last takedown defense, uh, Sandini was trying to get a body lock. Bonfim was doing uh, a good job of fighting grips. But then uh, eventually uh, uh, Benoit connected his hands and he did not whistle at all. <laughs> and and Sandini just like swim, swam back to his swam to his back, took him down, and then they fought a little bit on the ground, and Sandini actually pretty good at uh, finishing with the rear naked choke, so good performance for the for the French. Uh, is Bonfim, uh, disappointing performance, to be honest. Uh, I expected a lot more of him, but I hope he bounces back. Before that, uh, Rusi Boyev fought Bruno Fejera, a nothing fight. Uh, Rusi Boyev landed a 1-2... A clean knockout, good for him, but not much else to say. Uh, before that, the satisfied of the night, uh, Renat Fagretninov uh, defeated Kevin Lee, making his UFC return via submission. Uh, Kevin Lee looked like he's not like in fighting condition anymore. Uh, not that he looks physically bad; he looked great, actually, like aesthetically, <laughs> but. But yeah, man, like, Renat uh, landed a hard kick, then hurt him with a right hand immediately. Kevin Lee tries to go for the leg for a single. Uh, Fagredinov uh, catches the neck, guillotine. Uh, I think uh, both uh, Kevin Lee's arms were inside. The ref touches them um, to, to check out if he was conscious. I think he reacted to the first one, and then the second, the, the ref doubted because I think... Uh, Lee was a bit like stiff, so he was unconscious already. But you couldn't. I don't blame the ref. I think the stoppage was fine. Uh, Kevin Lee went to sleep pretty bad. Uh, it sucks, man. I, I I thought Kevin Lee was one of the most promising prospects at the time. Now uh, he was he was very good at one moment, and I don't know what's up, man. Um, he started very young. Maybe he accumulated like some damage on on training camps. I don't know because he looks. He looks a lot slower as well. It's not that he just doesn't have the sheen or the awareness. 
it's that he he used to be like so insanely athletic and he doesn't look like that anymore like I don't know, man. It's uh, one of the saddest cases of falling off uh, I've seen in MMA. It remind me a lot of Barrao. I mean, Barrao what, did not start getting knockout left and right, but he looked like he couldn't win a fight for his life. Before that, uh, Janderson Brito uh, fought Weston Wilson. Everyone was saying, like, why is the UFC signing Weston Wilson? He's going to get hurt. And the kid did get hurt. Uh, looking for a uh, Nivar, Brito just bombed on him. Like Brito is, Brito's pretty good, man. Uh, it's very athletic. Uh, the gas tank is surprisingly decent for a fight that fights like he does. Uh, so he's a problem for 145. Uh, do not expect him to get like top five or anything, but he should be a good action fighter moving on from here and a very dangerous one. Uh, he is. He's trouble for everyone, even for some elite guys. He could be dangerous. He was calling for Danny, I think, after the fight, and that fight would would be fucking great. So I'm I'm all up for that. Even though Ige probably deserves to fight up after the landware performance, but yeah. Carlos Hosa for Diana Santos. Um, just glad that the judges got this one right because second and third round, Carlos Hosa just beat beat Diana's ass. Uh, Carol not good at pressuring, but good at exchanging. Uh, mostly a boxer puncher. Uh, did not kick a lot in this fight. I don't know if she was scared of the takedown or what. Uh, because she has like very crafty kicks, uh, especially leg kicks. Uh, but yeah, she, here she was doing good stuff with the counter right, going to the body after exchanges, and just landing hard, man. Uh, Yana looks pretty good here. I mean, it, not that it was a good fight. I mean, it was pretty mad. But, but I, th I thought Yana looked good here, like, uh, active. Uh, she was throwing hard. Uh, some good, like, ending combinations with... Ending exchanges with a body kick. Uh, that was pretty sneaky, and I like that, because it's a, it's a good... Uh, it was good stuff, to be honest. But then Carol started landing power, and you can tell, like, Yana was not, like, willing to as willing to engage as she was at the beginning of the fight. Um, on the commentary, they, they were thinking that maybe it was Jana up two rounds. I did not think so. She wasn't accomplishing much in the clinch. And Carol was landing hard, even though the volume was less. She was doing more damage, obviously. Before that, we had the craziest fight of the night. Uh, Guram Kutateladze finally made his UFC return uh, against Elvis Brenner. And... Crazy, crazy fight. <clears throat> a lot of cool stuff happened in this fight. Kudanelatze looking a bit sketchy uh, in the beginning. Um, I don't know, it looks like uh, he he tired pretty quick and he looked a lot more fragile than in previous encounters. And I'm not coping here for Kudanelatze. I thought Brenner looked fantastic himself, but uh, in my honest opinion, Kudanelatze didn't look at his best. Uh, some cool stuff, uh, Guram. Uh, I like that he was using footwork a lot in the open space clinches. He was circling to move uh, Brenner up. And the knees and elbows change-ups were beautiful. I uh, post a clip on Twitter of of him like fainting very deep with a knee just to come up with the elbow upstairs. He was doing like great stuff with the knees and elbows. And, and Brenner on his part... Uh, the body lock takedowns and the resting defense, very impressive. I, I really want to know if any one of you guys know who is 
Diego Lima Shooter Box uh, wrestling coach because Oliveira and him and most of the guys over there, the wrestling is looking very solid and and also like very surprised that they are so like body lock oriented. Like it's it's cool stuff. Like Brenner looked pretty strong there. Uh, could have that's a lot bigger than him and he still like looked very competitive in the physical side. Uh, Brenner was doing a lot of good stuff like punishing resets because Kudatalatza likes to reset a lot between combinations, circling a lot on the cage. And Brenner was just like putting volume together and finding stuff even if the connections weren't so cl uh, very clean, he was making Guram work. Um, and man, Brenner like kept pushing pace and advantages in this fight and his ability to compete everywhere. Like Kudatalatza was clearly better at kicking range. He was, I would say he, even he was better in the clinch. Uh, but Brenner was like, kept putting the boxing combinations in the clinch. He was returning knees, uh, hard knees. Um, he was closing distance uh, at kicking range. Like he was doing good stuff, man. Uh, end of the fight came as Kutatalasa. Uh, I had winning the first two rounds. Um, Bren uh, on the second round, he made a huge cut on the head of Brenner uh, with an elbow from top position. Then Brenner starts coming alive. He lands a, a brutal uh, left hook to the body that had Kutatalatze uh, feeling it. Then at the end, um, he gets, uh, I don't know if, he, if it was a head kick or, or right hand, but yeah, like Guram was looking a bit sketchy. Then Guram closes the clinch. He looks for the elbow and on the break while still having a single color tie, Brenner catches him with a, with a punch for very close quarters. And that one, like, to the back to the to the back of the year, and yeah, and yeah, Graham was not there, and then he bumped for the finish. So Kudatlatse uh, was held in very high regard by by a lot of people, and I think he's a very skilled fighter. The problem that with him is that, and why the reason in my opinion is that why he has so many close fights with so many people is that um, he fights, and this is this has been said before. He fights wherever the opponent wants to fight, but that comes to him not having a lot of, like, controlling options on the feet, especially. Um, first of all, he's not a good jabber. Uh, he can put good combinations together, and he can be clever, especially punching into kicks and, uh, and punching off kicks, but he doesn't have a jab to control, uh, actually, the distance, so a lot of the time he's just, like, throwing roundhouse kicks from distance and fighters can, like, either move back or move in inside. Uh, the other problem is that he could also, like, could have, like, better positioning uh, with exchanges, taking angles, uh, instead of, like, circling so wide outside, a bit of, a bit of, like, Edson Barbosa going on in that part. He could have like some like front kicks or something. Uh, he has good clinch entries, but I mean he's because he lacks subtlety. Like he doesn't have the throwaways. He doesn't faint a lot. Uh, so he fights at a very high pace, and and the cardio here did not look up to par to fight that style. Especially, uh, he was doing a lot of work to the body, but and so did Brenner. But he looked more affected by it than Brenner. Here, um, Kudalatza, I think, is still very good, but but yeah, man, hopefully, this is not the end of him. Like, he's a very fun fighter to fight, uh, uh to watch. Uh, he he does a lot of cool stuff, and I, I love watching cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Brenner. 
Brenner here, I wasn't too high after his fight against uh, Subaira Tuhugov. But to be honest, I mean, and, and, and I, I, admit, I admit my fault here. A uh, very different matchup because Tuhugov, obviously, um, a way more a way more nuanced counter puncher than Kutateladze and also has like very good distance management, uh, jabs decently well. So yeah, he had the he had all the control options that Guram doesn't have. Another thing that I want to criticize Guram on is that uh, he, because the, the guy is clearly athletic and punches very hard, his punch accuracy is pretty mid, I would say. I would say, and this is an underrated aspect of a lot of fighters. You need to put the the punches uh, in places that hurt, man. It's not enough to just hit very hard all the time. Um, and I think that's a reason why. Uh, I mean, some fighters can scare you with power, but are not like huge takedown threats. For example, Aldo in his prime, I would say Aldo was very technical with his positioning, uh, with his shot selection, but his punch accuracy, especially to the head, wasn't as. I mean, it was decent. Obviously, he was finding elite opposition, the very best, but he he did not have that elite punch accuracy that allowed him to finish fight with his power because obviously, Aldo very powerful. Kutatelatze, uh, very powerful, and they, they are not finishing guys with, with punches most of the time. I think that comes to accuracy more than anything. Uh, before that, Luana Carolina uh, defeated Ivana Petrovic. Uh, meme fight, to be honest. <laughs> uh, just one thing to remember is that if you don't really know how to grapple, just remember that you have to, you have to use your underhooks and your wizards. Uh, Carolina, a few... A few good wizard, wizard moments here, uh, countering uh, very sloppy like body lock takedowns by Petrovic. So yeah, I mean, remember your wizards and your underhooks, kids. On uh, the opening fight, Romanov uh, fought Ivanov. Ivanov is very passive, man. I mean, he's old, he has a lengthy rear, uh, he's small, so he doesn't have a lot going on anymore. He used to be like explosive, insanely durable. Uh, the shin is still there, but he doesn't have it in him to push hard using that durability. And I don't blame him, man. I mean, it's hard being a, a small heavyweight fighting these big guys. Romanov, uh, both guys southpaws in this fight. And Romanov, uh, I would say, made good use of the jab in the closest stance matchup. Uh, Ivanov, uh, a pretty good check hooker, but I think his check hook form is... Is like designed to take advantage of orthodox fighters. He like, he likes to loop it around over the the shoulder. Uh, Romanov was staying like, like responsible, like throwing very long with the jab, and Ivanov's uh, check who was not landing. Uh, Romanov looked decent here. Uh, he got some good uh, takedowns. Uh, the best aspect for Romanov is that he can wrestle very well from from over unders. He doesn't need the full body lock to, to get stuff going. So that gives him more options to his wrestling because he still doesn't have very good entries uh, to the clinch. But it's good to see Romanov improving his striking, to be honest. Like, good for him. We have a few fine announcements. Uh, Tracy Cortez will fight Jasmine Jesuda Vicious. Jesuda Vicious looked pretty good in her last fight against... Uh, oh, man, what's, what's her name is... 
oh man, I I totally forgot and and I was I was watching that fight the other day. It's Miranda Maverick. I remembered. I remember just before finding her name. But yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, Vicious looks solid there. Uh, so interesting to see how he fares against Cortez. That is like athletic and a good grappler. So sh could be fun, maybe. Uh, Shavka Drakmanov is fighting Kelvin Gastelum. And I don't know how I feel about this. Um, Kelvin looked pretty solid against uh, Chris Curtis, even though I think he shouldn't have won that fight, but he looked solid there. Uh, maybe he drops to 170, he looks in good shape and he can like get some years back to his career, but I feel like Rachmanov is a very punishing matchup, especially at this stage, but but should be a good one because Gastelum against a guy as aggressive as Rachmanov is never going to be boring, you know? So yeah, I mean, excited about that one. Uh, not so excited about uh, Hakim Dawadu against Scoop Swanson. Uh, both of my favorite fighters. I uh, love them both. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, man. Like, let Kub fight a lower level of opposition at this stage. I, I guess that they're trying to give Hakim a win here. I don't know. Uh, it should be a good fight, though. Should be a good one. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Like, Kub Samson is not completely shot. And Hakim, Hakim is, is my boy, man. And Kub Samson is my boy, my absolute boy, too. So, I'm uh, not thrilled about this one, but should be a good fight. Uh, so we have some fight announcements for this week, for this pay-per-view. Uh, Tyra last week was supposed to fight Clayson, Clayson Rodriguez. Uh, Clayson did not make way. Tyra did not uh, take the fight. And he's fighting on this weekend pay-per-view against Edgar Chires. Chires fought on Contender Series, has been fighting for a while. I'll talk about this fight on the full preview. Look out for that. Uh, talking about the pay-per-view, uh, Brady, Sean Brady is out of his fight with Jack Della Madalena. Uh, I think he has an infection on his elbow or something. And, and yeah, I mean, a lot of high-profile fights were rumored for this card, but at the end, the, the UFC signed uh, Josiah Harrell, uh, a new signee. So yeah, I mean, Jack Della probably going to smash this kid, but, but at least we get to see Jack Della. Uh, honestly, the it sucks because uh, Brady was uh, an interesting challenge for, for Jack. Um, but maybe this kid is good. I don't know. I'll, I'll be making... Uh, I haven't watched tape on him yet. So watch out for the full preview. As I always say. Um, Marcus McGee will fight JP Bass. And man, JP Bass had, had had it rough in the UFC. And I think that continues. Because McGee looked look very good in his last fight. Uh, not expecting JP to win this one either, to be honest. And Jake Matthews is fighting Miguel Baeza. So, well, should be fun. You guys should bang. Not a lot. That's that's why uh, what both these guys are at this moment. They are just like fun mid-level action fighters. Uh, both looked very promising at one stage in their careers. But I think they they both hit their ceiling, to be honest. I was high on Matthews after the, the Fialio fight, but... But yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think Matt, this is what it is for both Matthews and for Baeza. Uh, Caramel Thunder is still a tremendous nickname, to be honest. So yeah, I mean, I won't be touching on the pay-per-view because as I've said a million times during this podcast, I have another podcast dedicated to that. 
so so yeah uh remember guys to support us on patreon uh you can access our discord server exclusive content we have a huge backlog of stuff and new stuff coming out uh very soon uh so yeah i mean support the fight site on patreon follow me on twitter at fenoxsky and remember that the early playing podcast is brought to you by x marshall x marshall is a compass sport brand dedicated to supporting the jiu-jitsu community their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. Xmartial offers a range of products including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear and training equipment. Use code THEFIGHTSIDE to get a 10% discount on your order now. That's the fight side, all uppercase, no spaces. The fight side. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to the mailing list and follow them in all their social media accounts at Official. So thank you, X Marshall, for sponsoring us. I'm Fenio. Thank you guys for listening. Watch out for the podcast. Watch out for the Sergio Perez article. I know I've been talking about that one for a while, but I'll still put it out. Just wait, guys. I'm sorry about the being late with that. Love you guys so much, and I'll see you soon.